We've been talking about the Advent effect. Last week we talked about Mary and You know, I I loved how Bruce prayed at the end of last week. He talked about how we need to get away from thinking about Christmas with our spiced cider and all the gifts and the trappings and everything, because in reality, the first Advent was not very fun. The first Advent had impact that was very traumatic to people. And we talked about the impact it had on Mary and how it changed her reflection. Her reflection helped her change her focus from self-focused to Christ-centered as she reflected upon what it was that the Holy Spirit said or what the angel said the Holy Spirit was going to do. And this week, Advent Effect Week 2, we're going to talk about Joseph. Holiness. How the Advent changes our perspective from judgment to deference. It's very, and it's a little bit more of a complicated concept, but this week, what I want to make sure that you understand is that when the Advent happened... It really changed everything about how Joseph saw righteousness. It changed everything about how Joseph experienced God. He had experienced God one way his whole life. He had planned his wedding and his and his political and his social structure around this thing. And then when the advent happened, it changed his whole concept of holiness. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. In other words, she was pregnant and it wasn't Joseph's baby. Sounds scandalous. And her husband Joseph, being a good man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her but do it quietly. And as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel commanded and took his wife, who was pregnant, that everybody could see, and did not know her until she had given birth. And when he had, or when she had, he called his name Jesus. What was life like? What was the world like before the advent? Joseph was from David's lineage. So you understand the perspective here is this, that Joseph was related to King David. But he didn't have any of the advantages of that. He was betrothed to Mary. They were going to be married. You understand something? Here's how betrothal worked in that time. Once there was a betrothal, once there was a promise, once there was an engagement, there was a party. There was a public acknowledgement. There was a celebration. So this wasn't a secret. And understand, this is Nazareth. It's a very small town, maybe a 100 people, maybe more, but not much more. Everybody knows everyone. Everybody knows that Mary belongs to Joseph. Joseph belongs to Mary. They're going to be married soon. They have had their engagement party. Everybody knows what's going on. The scripture says he's a good, righteous, 
Virtuous man. Zealous to honor God by keeping the law. And so you understand what Joseph's perspective was before the advent. He's from David's lineage. He's betrothed to Mary. He's a good man religiously. And he's zealous to honor God by doing what he considers to be the right thing. He's forced with a dilemma. It's a small town. Everybody can clearly see that my wife-to-be is pregnant. And everybody knows it's not my kid. I love her. I want to be with her, but maybe it's not going to work. Maybe it's not going to work out. Maybe the perspective here is, I should just kind of end this thing and put her away quietly. Maybe that's what I should do. It's a dilemma because here's what he has to realize. If I marry her, everybody is going to know it's not my kid. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to look like an idiot. My family's going to have a tinge to it. And so in a way, you can say he's merciful, right? Because he's going he's gonna to divorce her quietly. He's not going to make a big stink out of it. He's not going to drag her in front of the town. Because what would happen in those days, I explained to you last week, is when something like this happened, they would take the woman, they would put her in ragged clothes, and they would stone her, and they would mock her in front of the town square. He didn't want that to happen to her. So he was going to put her away quietly. So it appears merciful. But it's not forgiving. Do you see what I mean here? It's merciful, but it's not forgiving. And you understand why? Because in Joseph's world, the religious and the political aspect of what's going on in Nazareth and in the Israeli, in the Israelite community at the time, what happens there, it makes it very difficult for Joseph to go forward with this marriage. It's going to affect his reputation. It's going to affect his ability to grow his business. It's going to affect his ability to become a leader in his community. It's going to affect his ability to worship. Think about this. Every time he goes to worship, he comes along with his wife that everybody assumes had an affair. And so the religious and the political side of what Joseph is facing has caused him to conform to the expectation, which is you can't marry her. It's going to destroy what people think of you. Now, guys, can you see the dilemma that Joseph has here? The advent was not very good to Joseph. So what did God do? God sends an angel to assure Joseph that the baby is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine, men, if this were you? You're engaged. You love, it's probably the girl of your dreams. You've probably known her since she was a little girl and you were a little boy. He can't be more than 16, 17, 18 years old, maybe. It was customary for them to be married at that age during the time. He's just becoming a man. He probably still has acne. He's still learning how to build stairs. The scripture says he was a carpenter. He couldn't be that good, right? Unless he was like the Michael Jordan of carpentry and just born with all this carpentry skill. He's trying to build his business. He's trying to build his reputation. He finds out that Mary's pregnant. He doesn't know what's going on. All he knows is she's got a kid coming. It ain't mine. And then the Holy Spirit comes to him and says, 
don't worry. The baby belongs to me. Men, how's that to you? God selects a descendant of David to watch over Mary and the infant Jesus. And here's what happens. Basically, what God says is this. Hey, David, here's the plan. I know that you thought everything was going to be nice and fine. You're going to be a carpenter in Nazareth. You're going to marry your childhood sweetheart. Everybody's going to love all of you. You're going to be the, you know, the it couple in town, right? <clears throat> both good looking. Both have great personalities. I know she's pregnant, but it's my kid. You're going to marry her anyway, Joseph. You're going to marry her anyway. Then you're going to adopt my son, you know, God. You're going to adopt God. You're going to raise God. It's not your kid. Everybody knows it's not your kid. He takes Mary into his home. He names the baby according to what he was supposed to. He abstains until after the baby's born. He raises the child. You know the child I'm talking about, right? The one who is, uh, gets lost in the temple later. He's smarter than all the priests. Jesus, clean up your room. Can you imagine that conversation? <laughs> also, his stepson is a target of the enemy who surely hates his guts. Because this Jesus is supposed to be the savior of the world, the savior of God's people. He's born of a virgin. The enemy knows this. The enemy hates Jesus. And poor little 18-year-old Joseph has to be the baby's father. And think about this. <clears throat> Jesus probably got ridiculed a little bit during his growing up. At least we know who our dad is. That's not a stretch, guys. That's what this family, this holy family was facing. The scandalous shame. Because nobody could understand or even believe. Holy Spirit, baby. Yeah, right. Yeah. God gave you that. Okay, we got you, Mary. Sure. Okay, Joseph. Yeah, that's it. She didn't cheat on you. It was God's baby. Got it. Not only that, God sends him to Bethlehem and then sends him to Egypt. Guys, it didn't take JetBlue. It's a long walk with a baby that's not yours. And at first, with a woman who's pregnant, but not with your kid. Go to Bethlehem, then escape into Egypt, protect the baby. This is a harsh reality of Advent for Joseph. When Jesus was born, I don't think Joseph was singing, Joy to the world, my stepson has come.
What effect did it have on Joseph? First of all, it shattered his dreams and his expectations. It damaged his reputation. Right? The social stigma attached and associated with the fact that he married this woman who he was already engaged to, but then got pregnant before they were even married. He set aside his concept of righteousness, right? I'm going to divorce her, but I'll do it quietly. That's the right thing to do. I don't want her to be stoned. The advent caused him to defer to God's way. No, 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 Joseph. You're not going to divorce her. You're going to marry her. You're going to name my son, your stepson, Jesus. You're going to raise him. It prompted him, after the Spirit of God tells him these things, it prompted him to be obedient. You know what? I'm going to do it. Guys, do you understand? I, mean, I just want to make sure that you, you grasp this concept because <clears throat> Christmas was not very good for Joseph. It was costly. There was no gifts. There was no celebration. There was no tree. There was no cider. There was no stocking. There was no eggnog. It was just... My life with this woman that I love has been destroyed. My reputation, what people think, they're going to make fun of this kid, and it's God. I got that pressure on top of me. So you see how the advent changed Joseph. It gave him this incredible courage, guys. It gave this some incredible courage to reject his own concept of righteousness, which was to divorce Mary privately. It changed his whole perspective of righteousness, and it caused him to say, I'm going to marry her anyway, even though society is going to judge me for it. See, here's what the Advent does for us, guys. First of all, it helps us to recognize the delicate balance of holiness. There's judgmental, and there's gracious. See, there's a balance there, is it not? Because, yes, we want to be holy people. You know what the word holy means? It doesn't mean sinless. Holy doesn't mean you're good at church stuff. Did you know that? Holy doesn't mean you pray every day. Holy doesn't mean you read the Bible every day. That's not what holy means. I don't know how we got that definition. The word holiness, you know what it means? Set apart. And you know what that is? It's a passive word. You don't make yourself holy. God makes you holy. God sets you apart. Why was Joseph holy? Not because he knew how to respond religiously to a wife who was pregnant without him. That's not what made him holy. Holiness is when you are sitting here, God takes you, pulls you up, and sets you apart. That's what holiness means. Sanctified. Set apart. It's got nothing to do with how good you are at church. Nothing. Get that out of your mind right now. That's not holiness. That's legalism. Holiness is separation. And it's not separation. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to separate myself because I'm holy. No, that's not separation. 
Separation is passive. God sanctifies, not you. You don't believe me? Challenge me on it. It's all through scripture. God sanctifies you. You don't sanctify you. If you could, you wouldn't need him for salvation in the first place. So first advent effect, we recognize the delicate balance of holiness. Judgmental or gracious. Second allows us to trust God's way, to make a right judgment. See, understand with Joseph, his judgment at first was not the right way to go. Joseph, I know that religiously it's the right thing for you to do to divorce her, and I, you know it's probably good that you're going to do it privately so she doesn't experience all the pain of everything that she should, should deserve. But that's not the right judgment. The last thing for the Advent, you know what it allows us to do? It allows us to be willing to play the fool. Well, that doesn't sound very Christmassy, does it? Are you guys tracking with me here? I mean, this is what Christmas does. This is what the Advent does. Joseph says, I'm willing to have the bad reputation. I'm willing to have people snicker behind my back. I'm willing to have people spread nasty, disgusting rumors about me and my wife and my stepson. I'm willing to play the fool. Why? Because the advent of grace has changed my perspective of holiness. My perspective of holiness is no longer hinged upon what it is that the religious think I should be, or what the religious think I should do, or what the religious think should be my response to this horrible dilemma. That is no longer my measuring stick. My measuring stick for righteousness and holiness is willing to hear what God says to do and do it, even if it makes me look stupid. Why are you marrying her, Joseph? There's other fish in the sea. She's soiled. She's dirty. We receive a righteousness not our own. We remember that Jesus is the king who will return. But this is the part I really want to focus on. Remember we talked about what Advent means? We talked about several words, right? There's convene, which means to come together. Intervene means come between. Remember, we talked about that, right? Advene means to come toward. When grace advents to you, when grace comes toward you like it did with Joseph, your perspective of righteousness changes. Question, was what Joseph did in marrying Mary, was it righteous? Answer, was it? Was it righteous? Taking her as his wife? Adopting the child, naming it, was it righteous? Yes or no? Did it appear righteous? Or did it appear foolish in the eyes of the religious community? Is it possible that there are some things that God wants us or you to do that are righteous but might upset the religious around you? Is it possible that there are some things that God is calling us to do because of the advent, because of grace coming toward us in our lives in a way that is passive? We didn't invite it. It came and swooped us up. 
It sanctified us. It, grace, separated us, made us holy. Not you, not your actions. Grace did it. You know how I know? Because the ultimate test of truth is this. If it gives man any glory, it's a lie. God always gets the glory. That's the ultimate test of truth. So is it possible that as grace has intervened and it's convened and all those things, it's coming forward, it's in our lives, all those things are taking place, is it possible there are some things in your life that God has called you to do that are going to be more righteous than what is the accepted practice by the religious around you? Is it possible that there are some things that we're supposed to do in the garden that don't violate biblical principles but may seem a little foolish? Here's what's great. The Advent gives us the freedom and the liberty to be able to be like Joseph and do what's right even if it looks stupid. So you can walk with God or you can walk with liturgy, legacy, and normalcy. You follow me? You can walk with God or you can walk with liturgy, legacy, and normalcy. Now listen, those things aren't always exclusive. I'm not saying that you can never embrace liturgy. I'm not saying you can never embrace normalcy. I'm not saying you can never embrace legacy or heritage. I'm not saying that at all. They're not always mutually exclusive. But when they are, it's alarming, and it can appear foolish to those who aren't walking with you. No one else in the world could understand the righteousness of adopting this baby and marrying this single mom than Joseph. No one else in the world could say, I get it, Joseph, you're doing the right thing. No one else could do that, could they? The only ones that could were God and Joseph. And why could Joseph do it? Because he had confidence. God had told him, grace had come forward, it had advened into his life, It had transformed his heart, it had transformed his mind, and it gave him the courage. It gave him the courage to take on God's righteousness, not his own, even if it made him look to the religious people like the fool.